All right, guys, welcome on in to the Flag Hunting Podcast. A little bit later in the week than usual. We're sorry that obviously we weren't able to get a PGA show out. We had some personal issues. You guys know how that goes. So uh, if you guys obviously didn't already, you guys know that uh, I do produce a weekly kind of preview article for Rotoballer every single week for the PGA Tour. Uh, so if you guys don't feel like or don't have the time to listen to me ramble on here for like an hour and a half, uh, you can read that the few thousand words I've written down for them and, uh, you know, maybe streamline your process just a little bit, but that's enough of the PGA tour. I've been watching golfer way too much. Let's get into, um, this week's race, the NASCAR, uh, side of things. You know, we're still a little bit early, uh, in the NASCAR side of things. So I know a couple of days late, later than usual, but hopefully, You'll have enough time to, to listen to us, listen to Chris on the back road later tonight. Uh, obviously, Derek did his Twitter space last night. Uh, stay green, Lane Coin. You know, no shortage. So we'll be right in there in the mix here on Thursday nights uh, with all those guys. But first and foremost, let's kind of recap last week. Uh, a bit of a up and down week for flag hunting, I would say. Uh, I was actually personally at Bay Hill on Sunday. So by the time uh, Kurt Kadiyama tapped in on 18 to win and I found a shuttle back to Universal Studios where we parked, um, the race was over. So I don't have a whole lot uh, of insight. Usually I, I try to keep it, uh, I try to keep some kind of tabs on the race while the golf, golf tournament's going on, uh, but I'm going in pretty blind in terms of what actually happened. I watched like a 10-minute highlight package from NASCAR, but um, but Chris, you're going to have to maybe yeah recap um, kind of just the, the race and hole on Vegas. I know Byron looked really, really strong. I mean, Hedrick in general looked very, very strong, but what are things that maybe uh, are things that you noticed that I could have missed just kind of uh, being an outside observer on Sunday afternoon? I mean, to be completely honest with you, not a whole lot. I mean, what you probably saw in that 10-minute video was was probably all that was really needed to be seen. Um, the guys that were fast were fast, and they were up there all day, and that's William Byron, Kyle Larson. I mean, they were, you know, if there's anything that can be said about this race, you know, regardless of what you think about the caution late, uh, the top two cars finished first and second and William Byron had the best car all day. So regardless of all the Larson fans out there, I know it's heartbreak for them, but William Byron, the best car won. And, and at the end of the day, that's kind of what you hope as an NASCAR fan. Um, you know, Larson still finished second Bowman third. So Hendrick just top yeah. three in it is, is pretty incredible. Um, Bubba solid day for Bubba. Mm-hmm. Turns out that Kansas comp was real because can, um, Bubba and Reddick both had speed. Reddick just got, I mean, to have no practice in qualifying and to make his way through the field like he did, uh, he just gets shoved into the wall in stage two, and that kind of – people were in his way, really. I mean, the fact – I mean, he was coming. I don't know if he had race-winning speed, but, I mean, I think him and and Bubba both had good cars. Um, Yeah, I think the the Toyotas, I think they they had speed, but not race-winning speed. Denny Hamlin kind of touched on on his podcast uh, earlier this week saying, you know, like he felt like he had – about a fifth, sixth place car. And I think, I think that's where he ended up, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, he finished 11th, but I do remember, didn't Larson pass him for the lead, like with 78 to go? So Hamlin was kind of, once he lost the lead in midway through stage three, he kind of just steadily went backwards. Uh, yeah, so the last the last caution obviously created basically a green-white checkered. Okay. Um, and I think Denny got shuffled back a little bit because of that. Um, I do actually want to talk about that. Though. That's one lead-in point here I want to talk about. Uh, was that final caution uh, because that was probably our best shot at hitting the outright uh, because they come into pit and Martin Truex pulls out and he's the only car that stayed out. Um, and for a second, when I first saw him pull out, I was like, oh, baby, like we got a chance. Right. And then nobody else proceeded to stay out. And I was like, never mind. We don't have a chance. 
Um, but you know, like looking back, like, well, first of all, like, um, you know, he, he was third or fourth when the caution hit, right? Cause it was, it was Larson Byron, I think. Bowen? Well, Hamlin, Hamlin was third, I think. Okay. Uh, I think Truex is like, he's like fifth, maybe fourth or okay. fifth. So anyway, but, wash. but the point that I guess I'm getting at here is, and I've heard a few other, like Jeff Gluck and Jordan Bianchi talked about this too, is like, and I know hindsight's 2020 and we also are the losing side of this bet. So like, this is maybe a stretch, but why didn't anybody else stay out? Right. And the justification behind this is there was only 17 cars on the lead lap. So if you're sitting 15, 16, 17th, and right. you know you've just got to, and you just got to stay out and just kind of hold your hold your pace for just just two laps. Right. You're gonna finish better than 15th, 16th, or 17th, and if you don't, you're just gonna end up right back right, where right. you were. So, right. like, I know that I'm I'm making a stretch here just because I we wanted the outright right, but mm-hmm. I'm just curious what this decision was for those cars like 12th and back. You know what? Why not stay out and try to see what you can make happen? We saw Denny Hamlin do it on the previous caution. That's how he was able to retain his spot so mm-hmm. far up at the front was because he he took the risk uh, of staying out or maybe only two tires or something. I can't remember exactly what he did to, to get out front, but yeah, like it, it worked. Um, so I was just I was kind of shocked to see that nobody else kind of implored that strategy. All we needed was like three more guys to stay out, and that could have been enough for Martin Truex to kind of hold people off and just with all the cars in the way. You know, we could have been talking a very different tune right now. Um, but we'll put our our sour faces aside. On the on the positive side of things, I almost had a complete sweep on the prop card, which felt really really good. Uh, we had a Larson T5, Byron T5, those both easily cashed. Um, Almarola over Gregson was probably the easiest sweat of all time until Almarola hit the wall late. And I was like, Oh crap. Uh, but, uh, Gregson was a lap down, so it didn't matter. Also, we cashed that, uh, prop. Um, Bubba top 10 was a pretty easy cash. Byron to win his group was a pretty easy cash and Bubba. All he had to do was pass Bowman on that last lap. And he almost did. He almost got around him coming to the checkered and we would have went a complete six for six on the prop card. Um, and would have, you know, actually been positive for the week. We just didn't quite outweigh our, our outright prop card, so we finished at minus two units for the week. But uh, I'm, I'm kind of taking it as a victory. Like, I, I like the fact that, you know, I, I obviously had everything right but the winner, right? So, um, and that's kind of the goal here. I think that that's, this is kind of what I strive for when I build these cards is if we're not going to hit the winner, I want to at least try to break even. That way when we do hit winners, we hit big. Um, so honestly, I'm taking this as a, I'm taking this as a, a good note. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's definitely a, a mark in favor of your method than more so than mine. Sometimes I, I tend to go a little bit too overboard and just put all my eggs in the outright basket. But, uh, yeah, clearly you made your prop card on Sunday morning, uh, after practice and qualifying, you saw a lot of things that you really liked, particularly from the Hendricks. You'll notice a lot of the Hendrick, uh, drivers were, were on our prop card with Byron and Larson, both, uh, cash and plus money T fives there. So, um, yeah, I mean that, that was a hundred percent. I think the main takeaway from Saturday was just who there was no doubt who the two best cars in the, in the grid were. And it's cool to see that even though it might not have helped us, you know, cash now, I bet it's, it's cool to see that play, uh, maybe for future events here going forward now that we know that we can maybe trust those Saturday splits a little bit more now. Um, because so, and, that's all right. And go ahead. I, I, I want to add, expand on this point though, before we change topic, yeah. uh, Ryan Stevens was on full take Phil's podcast this week. I happened to listen to their podcast this morning. 
And uh, he actually touched on this point exactly. In, in three of the four races this year, excluding basically if you take Daytona out. So like in three races, yeah, the guy that has led the top 10, the uh, best top, the best 10 lap average in practice has won the race. So practice speeds have actually been very corollary to race speeds so far. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So probably um, again, no more as we, as we kind of go through the year and we kind of figure out this car, the packages for this, um, for this 2023 season, um, we're going to start to make adjustments. Chris did a good job last week of saving units um, for again, after practice and qualifying, we, we made the Chastain over the Byron or the Larson bet. So in retrospect, it looks uh, wrong, but at least, you know, we had money to play with. Whereas sometimes in the past, we've been a little bit hamstrung knowing that the car is really fast, knowing that it has race running speed and not being able to do really much about it in the outright market, at least. So um, yeah, continuing to develop our strategy and um, we're certainly getting close because I think you, like you said, you're right on, on a lot of reads uh, on Sunday afternoon, just couldn't quite cast the winner. Uh, but let's move on into this week's race. Week, I, get, I believe that would be four of the points-paying races this season. Uh, the United Work or the United Reynolds Work United 500, aka Phoenix Number One, I think is how most people in the NASCAR space will be going about it. Phoenix, obviously, a race that a lot of us will have pretty fresh on our minds, uh, considering the last time we were here, uh, Joey Logano was winning his second uh, Cup championship um, in this in the series here. So. Certainly for those of us that were heavily involved um, with futures last, I believe that was October, November, um, we'll have pretty, yeah, pretty uh, clear recollections of this race. So Chris, kind of go through uh, what your preliminary stats are, what you're looking at. I know last week it was a lot of just uh, looking at Vegas, like past Vegas splits, right? Like there, I know you had the Kansas, uh, the Kansas comp a little bit in there, but Primarily, we were looking at just past Vegas splits. I feel like Phoenix is a bit more of a race, is a, is a racetrack that maybe has a bit more clear corollaries with some of the short flats that we, um, yeah, that we have along the schedule. So just kind of talk about that, what your process is and how you're weighing uh, the potential for some of these corollary tracks. Yeah, so let me start by entering it here. First of all, this is um, another one we can add to the list of the potential worst race names of the year. The United Rick Reynolds Work United. Like, why do we need United in there twice? I don't understand. Um but, yeah, so obviously we are going uh, to Phoenix, Arizona, to Phoenix Raceway, uh, front of the pod, Chris Worm's hometown. I think he's going to be in attendance at the race. Uh, I heard him say on on uh, Stay Green. Um, but, yeah, we are at a mile short flat track. Um, to your exact point, um, there are two corollaries. I wouldn't necessarily say that they're better corollaries than what we had last week. I think Kansas was actually a pretty good comparison to vegas and it and it, pan, and it panned out that way um richmond and new hampshire are are the ones i'm looking at here um i would say probably new hampshire is, is more like uh phoenix than richmond but um still i think i think you want to look more at phoenix uh history than anything else um especially since we had two races here last year one being the championship race um so i am weighing phoenix obviously heavier than i am the other two but we are going to look at all three um as far as um, tire combination. Um, I typically go back and I look at the average finish driver rating, average qualifying from the tracks that had the same tire code as last year. Um, and it just so happens that we are using the same tire code as uh, Richmond, both races, Phoenix, both races, um, New Hampshire and Gateway. We're actually going to bring Gateway into the mix as well. So um, another race that Joey Logano won, ironically. So it's something that's kind of keep in mind there. 
Um, but yeah, so as from a schedule standpoint, uh, we actually practice, if you're listening to this tonight, um, because it's Friday night, is the first practice session um, at 6.30, and they're going to be 50-minute sessions, so they're going to get a longer session than normal. You're probably asking yourself, why? Why all of a sudden now do they get a long practice session? Well, if you've lived under a rock this week and you haven't listened to any other sh- any of the other shows that Ian's talked about, um, which I'm sure that's not the case, um, but we are NASCAR has brought a different short track package for this year because the short track package last year did not work. Um, I'm not going to pretend to understand like I know any of the fundamentals of what that track what that package is, but from a very long and short, it's 30% less downforce. It's going to make the hard, car a little harder to drive. Um, they're, they're trying to make the airflow. They're trying to change the airflow behind the car. That one, that way everyone's not so piled up, you know, in line, not able to really do anything. Um, there's a lot of different phenomenons out there. Is it going to actually work? Is it going to be the exact same? Um, if you listen to Denny Hamlin's podcast on Monday, he seems to think that it's going to be very different. He seems to think he even says that it's going to be that people are going to hit and people are going to miss and that the field is going to be split by seconds. Um, and he felt really strongly about like pay attention to practice because you can find the people who have really hit and who haven't. Now, if the other side of things, if you if you see like guys like you know Steve Latart or Brian Murphy, who you know friend of the pod for for Derek's pod that works for Stuart Haas Racing, he seems to think nothing's really going to be that different. That it's just going to look exactly like it did last year. And that NASCAR is trying to change some things, but in all reality, it's it's really not going to be that much different. So, um, yeah, I think tomorrow night or tonight when you're listening to this. Practice is a must. Like you need to watch practice or at least tune in somehow or look at the numbers afterwards that, you know, Ryan and I face your race or Ryan Stevens at win the race or any of those sites that you go to, you know, practice splits, I think are going to be even more important than this week than even the past few weeks, even though we just said those were important. I think, I think practice tomorrow, uh, tonight is going to be really interesting. Um, Saturday at two o'clock, we have qualifying and Sunday at three 30, we have the race. Um, as far as the model goes, it's pretty similar to kind of what I've been doing the same thing for the last, for pretty much this year and most of last year. So I'm looking at obviously uh, the driver rating and average finish at Phoenix over the last three years, which equates to the last seven races. I'm looking at the average finish over a driver's career at Phoenix. Uh, we're looking at the average finish and average qualifying um, at Phoenix last year in the next gen era. I'm also looking at the other short flats. So we're looking at Richmond Gateway and New Hampshire average finish and average qualifying. And then we're also bringing in the um, those same similar tracks. We're going to look at their total speed rankings, which is via um, Ryan I Fantasy Race. And then I've started incorporating the 2022 driver rating just because um, you know driver rating it can tell a little bit of a different story. Like you could have you could have a, a decent total speed number, but the driver rating may say something completely different. So you know if you look at all the different parts, they all tell different different stories. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what the model has in store. So what does that spit out? Number one, Ryan Blaney. Number two, Joey Logano. Number three, Kevin Harvick. Number four, William Byron. Number five, Denny Hamlin. Number six is Chase, but we're going to cross him off, obviously, because he has a broken leg. Um, and we are not going to be betting on Josh Berry. In fact, I'll be looking to bet against Josh Berry if I can find odds on that. Um, number seven is Kyle Larson. Number eight is Kyle Busch. Number nine is Ross. Number 10 is Briscoe. And then since we're knocking Chase off, I'll go ahead and give the next guy down. It's Martin Truex. Um, and then actually the next guy down. So I guess 11th is Christopher Bell fell just outside the top 10. Um, so that was just for me. Yeah, that was for you for sure. <laughs> that was my peace of mind. <laughs> yeah. Ian was going to ask where he was anyway. So we had to, we had to point <laughs> that out. 
Um, so yeah, I guess just, you know, we'll probably be getting into this very shortly, actually in the very next segment, but you know, not surprising that one and two are Ryan Blage or Lagana. These were the two by far fastest cars that we saw in the fall. Um, so, you know, if, if this sways in, in favor of the guys who think that nothing's going to be different with this new package, you know, Ryan Blaney and Joe Lagana is going to be hard to overlook because uh, they are, not only are they really good at this track, they showed the speed the most recently of anybody. Um, now on the flip side of things, if the package is different and you also look at last week, which I know last week's not comparable, but Ford was nowhere to be found last week. I mean, it was Chevy's all day up front and Toyota's right behind them. Ford's were, were lacking. So, um, also, Sindrick actually, I think, was a top form Penske, right? He finished like sixth or seventh. Yeah, I think you're right. I can bet that you're right. He finished sixth. Actually, I don't even yeah. think I realized that. So, yeah, that's news to me. Um, I so, was having an eye. Do what? I was having an eye on him. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> um, so, anywho, um, yeah, I guess that's a good point to lead or a good starting point to lead right into this. But uh, I'll be honest, this, this is going to be a lot of conversation of, of, you know, maybe who I'm leaning towards and who I'm not, but I'll be, as of right now, I only have one bet clicked in. I think the most NASCAR, most of the NASCAR community can stay the same. And I think it's smart to stay the same is, you know, try to hold out as long as you can to see these practice numbers. Cause I mean, honestly, we don't, I don't feel like anybody has an edge right now because we don't know. We don't know what, what tomorrow is going to look like. And this is the first time this year that I feel like we can, we've had to say that because, you know, we've had all this next gen data, but now they're bringing in this whole different package. So who knows? Yeah, sounds like a lot of unknowns, and uh, I, judging by the odds board we're about to go over, I don't think the books have uh, much of an idea either, uh, considering they're, it looks basically like a super speedway, but um, just shifted down like two points each, because from 8 to 1 to 12 to 1, I count seven drivers, it jumps all the way from 20 to 1 after that, so uh, pretty clear the books are, again, just kind of digging in, waiting on Saturday to really adjust prices, um, and if you kind of want to really take a stab at one of these you know, most of the guys that Chris just listed in his top 10 are going to be priced underneath 12 to one right now. So it would take a lot of faith for you to really click that number here on a Thursday night. Uh, but let's go over them anyway, just to kind of talk about their, at least their profiles before we get into Saturday. And then maybe some guys that, that Chris does have a particular, cl- particularly close eye on, um, on Friday and Saturday. So to start the, uh, to start the odds board, the, the favorite, of course, the champion of NASCAR, the last time we were here, uh, he cashed us a four to one outright ticket. Joey Logano, priced at eight to one. Ryan Blaney priced at plus eight fifty, uh, right beside him. His Penske teammates, Kyle Larson, is at nine to one. Um, Chris, do you want to go through like eight to twelve, or do you just want to stop there? Do you have maybe some things to say on each of these first three favorites? Um, yeah, I think we could probably stop there. Okay. Um, so yeah, obviously, I've already already kind of touched on Blaney and Logano. Um, I think for me, if I had a lean, even though Ryan Blaney is sitting, or sorry, even though Joey Logano is the last winner and Ryan Blaney is sitting atop my model, um, I'm a little hesitant on Blaney still. Like, I know we just saw, like, he, I mean, he, like, there's no argument. Like, he had the best car at the Phoenix race. He just was blocking for his teammates, so his teammate could win the championship. Right. But, I mean, this is, this is like the, Colin Morikawa or the Justin Thomas of, of golf, right? Where like, you know, we know the talent's there. Probably probably not a good day to talk about Colin I was going to say, right? you know, <laughs> on Colin Morikawa if you just got 64. Um, <laughs> but um, I guess, all right. So, but in the sense of like, we always want to see that Ryan Blaney has this. Great. It's just what? like, it, the numbers look great. It just never feels like he's worth the price. That's yeah. kind of what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And and even when he is, and even when he does have the speed, right? It always seems like his pit crew or something shoots him in the foot. Yeah. Or, I mean, it's always something. Like well, last week, I, mean, I know because we had conversations last uh, last week before we kind of submitted our card on Sunday. We we're kind of trying to figure out our last, our final outright. We were between guys like Chastain and Byron and Larson, and, and Blaney was right there. He was super super fast on Saturday. Um, he was a guy that I, I had under heavy consideration for an outright uh, bet at like eight, seven, eight to one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, when it came down to it, I mean, he was by far the least, um, competitive of any of those guys that practice at the top of, of that right. range. So, um, yeah, for sure. I, I, there's certainly some peasants, especially on like a Thursday before he's really proven anything. Um, obviously Penske's shown stuff in the past, but, um, yeah, eight and after one's a tough one to swallow with all these skill drivers around him. Yeah. I mean, really, really either of these guys, I'm not willing to, to spend the eight to one, um, even nine, ten to one, I, or at least pre-prex qualified. Right. I, I fully want to wait now. If if after tomorrow night, or I keep saying tomorrow night, it's really going to be, I guess, tonight when you're listening to this. Yeah. But if after right. tonight, if they top the if they top the speed chart and then they go out there and just nab the pole, you know, we'll probably see them down to six to one, five to one. Right. You know, maybe we reconsider. I'm telling you right now, I got plenty of room in the budget. I'm prepared. So, like, if we have to go to five or six to one, we will. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to see, and and I don't want to. I don't want to. But I don't want to spend the, the press on these guys now. Regardless of what the package looks like, like Joe Logano, first in driver rating, first in average finish over the last seven races here, um, third in average qualifying, fourth in average finish. Ryan Blaney's first in average qualifying at Phoenix last year, second average qualifying at the short flats. So like. I do fully expect them to be good no matter what happens tomorrow night. Um, I just want to make sure it's, is it race dominant speed, right? Like we just, we kind of want to see where that shakes out, but yeah, Ryan Blaney is at the top for a reason because second average qualifying fourth and average finish at these short flats first in total speed via I face your race at all these comp tracks first in driver rating at Phoenix last year. Um, There's a reason why Ryan Blaney is the top of the chart. And I think he's, he's interesting and, um, like I said, I just kind of want to wait to see where he shakes out, but I'm willing to go up to probably five or six to one to bet Blaney if I need to. Okay. Yeah. And then obviously Larson nine to one, you know, we talked about a lot of the 2022 champion, obviously Larson won the 2021 championship here. Didn't have the speed at Phoenix that he, uh, that he showed in 2021 in the new gen car last year. Um, so nine to one, is that more, are you leaning more fate on Larson? Or are you leaning maybe a bit more um, or is he a potential like a, a lean for you outright if, if he does show the speed on, on Friday or Saturday. I think Larson's in the potential for like more of like a prop. I don't know if I'm going to be betting him outright. Um, he just doesn't quite have the, like he's got good history here, but it's not like great history. Yeah. Um, he's fifth in driver rating um, over the last seven races here. Fifth in average finish last year, the short flats, he was eighth in average finish um, sixth in total speed at the short flats. So, you know, with the with the, the speed that Chevys have shown this year, um, I think Larson is very much a guy that you know. I think friend of the pod Roy picks. I think has already bet him for top five. Um, so, um, yeah, I could see Larson potentially making the prop card again, but I don't know if I'm going to get there outright. Um, just looking at his finishes um, at the four comps other than Phoenix: 14th, 5th, 14th, and 12th. So, yeah, I don't know. There's not enough there. Not enough there really for me. I, I much prefer like. You know, not that this is breaking news, but like Larson at intermediates is like the way to go, and short flats yeah. isn't, isn't where I'm targeting him. And that's that's kind of what I was going to bring up next was if you were to rank Larson's stock on the three previous and like this plus the two previous stops we've had, Vegas, Fontana, and then Phoenix, I feel like Larson would be last. You'd be least 
uh, incentivized to go to Larson here as opposed yeah. to playing our Vegas, right? Yep, 100%. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So that does it for the the top three here. Plenty of names to get through before we even hit 12 to 1. Uh, let's go through, again, 10 to 12 to 1, seven drivers here. I actually miscounted earlier. It's 10 drivers from 8 to 12 to 1. Seven are priced from 10 to 12. Uh, but we start with a pair of JGR teammates, Christopher Bell at 10 to 1, followed by Denny Hamlin, also at 10 to 1. Kyle or Kevin Harvick, uh, who Chris had third in his model after uh, Logano and Byron or Logano and Blaney, sorry, uh, is at 10 to 1 as well. Kyle Bush at 10 to 1, Ross Chastain at 10 to 1. Then you go to Truex at 11, Byron at 12. So Bell, Hamlin, Harvick, Bush, and Chastain all at 10. You go to Truex and Byron just a step down at 11 and 12. Uh, I know it's a big range here, Chris, but uh, I'm sure you have a couple leans here in this range. Uh, who sticks out to you for kind of from 10 to 12, this like huge seven back we have here? I mean, honestly, and it, it shouldn't be a surprise. I mean, maybe it is because it's not a guy we typically talk about in this range. But, you know, I really hoped we were going to get a better number on Kevin Harvick. I really like the 10, the 10 to 1 is, is so hard to swallow. Mm-hmm. It really is. But, I, I mean, you heard, you heard me say third, like third in the model. He's third in the model for a reason. This is. Again, not a secret. Like, it's not like I'm breaking news here, but this is Kevin Harvick's like best track. Like, this is his bread and butter. Uh, if you're, if you don't follow NASCAR very closely and you've never heard this stat before, uh, he is going for, I believe, to the 19th or 20th straight top 10 at this track, which would like, I think he already broke the record last year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can read it to you. I mean, like, literally since 2012. Um, second, first, 13th, right? So that's 2013, 13. That's the last time you're going to hear a team number. First, 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 second, first, fourth, sixth, fifth, first, fifth, ninth, fifth, second, seventh, sixth, eighth, sixth, fifth. I mean, it is absolutely insane how good Kevin Harvick is at this track. John Robert um, is right there. Do what? It's John Robert, Tory Pines numbers right there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it is just, it is absolutely insane how good he is here. You know, if you want to talk about like the next gen era, I mean, even last year, he showed fourth in drive rating at the two Phoenix races, fourth in total speed at these similar tracks. Um, you know, not not a surprise, right? But average first, uh, average finish first in his career um, over the last seven races, second and third in drive rating um, over the 2022 era at short flats, average finish of fifth. I mean, he's only got one metric outside of the top 10 and it's his qualifying, right? So now what does that make you think? Let's wait till after qualifying. See what happens. I guarantee he's going to fall 12-14, and I think Harvick is a big, big uh, opportunity to make this card come Sunday morning. Yeah, and I was just going to – I was just actually kind of looking up his practice and qualifying splits from last week because Harvick did finish inside the top 10. He was um, maybe a bit of a surprise finisher uh, last week at uh, – at backdoor, backdoor top 10. That's like what yeah. Harvick does. Backdoor top 10. <laughs> nice, nice solid Roy McIlroy for him there. But, um, yeah, he did qualify – I didn't see actually where he qualified, but he practiced inside the top 10 uh, last week. So let's see where he qualified. Sorry, this is bad. Yeah, no, here I got you. I'm pulling it up right now. He qualified 14th. Okay, so that's kind of the Harvick MO. So you want to obviously – that's actually ideal. If he could replicate that this week, like qualify or practice or like on Friday goes out and is like one of the 8 to 10 fastest cars in the, in the grid and then qualifies like 14th, 15th. Hopefully, I mean, you would think that if a guy like Logano or Blaney is able to go out there and separate themselves, like um, in terms of speed on Friday and Saturday, they get moved down to five to one. All of a sudden, we can get Harvick at 12, 14. Uh, and yeah. I'm sure this move that you'd be interested in. So 
So for uh, comparison, at the last yeah. last year at Phoenix, he qualified 16th in the spring race last year. Right. Seventh, seventh in the fall. Yep. Uh, but then at the comp tracks, um, scroll down. Um, 10th at Loudon, 7th at the first Richmond iteration, 13th at the second Richmond iteration, and then 20th at Gateway. Yep. So the qualifying is, is not, I mean, it's, you can make the same argument for Martin Truex, right? Martin Truex is typically the same way. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the same exact argument. However, Martin Truex actually does qualify pretty well at the short flats. But in other tracks, um, this is the approach we're kind of taking. I kind of said the same thing last week about Ross Chastain. I guess it's kind of been the MO late, lately. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think Harvick is probably the guy that, no surprise, sits atop this kind of group of seven drivers here just because, yeah. you know, I don't think you're going to see the qualifying stat there, and I think we can get a sneaky number on him, hopefully. I don't know. The books might be keen to this. The books might just be like, oh, you well, think. but <laughs> You say that, but I, I do believe that you you nailed the Chastain thing last week because we were talking on the show at about eight, seven, half, eight to one uh, on Tuesday night. Like you said, he qualifies, practice qualifies, quite average. I think he fell to like 11, 12 to 1 on some books. He got quickly bent down to 9 to 10, which is where we ended up getting him at. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I books can't just price everyone at like 9 to 1. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. can only be so keen um, on kind of what the MO is or what the strategy is for, for a lot of us here uh, trying to handicap this race. So, yeah, I would anticipate unless Harvard goes out there. I mean, I don't, I can't remember the last time Kevin Harvick won a poll. So I don't know how much we have to worry about this, but, um, yeah, I feel like ten to one is likely to be the worst case scenario come Sunday morning. Yeah. Uh, you know, even if he even if he qualifies like seventh or eighth, um, there's gonna be somebody that shows enough merit to get pushed down to the five six to one range, and that is just inevitably going to uh, push the rest of the uh, of the guys down the board. So yeah, Harvick definitely a guy Chris is keeping his eye on, um, as I think most of the NASCAR industry will be. Um, in terms of that, not not only the outright price, but the top five, top ten price as well. Um, but as we kind of just move on into some other teams outside of SHR, um, we do have three JGR cars with Bell, Hamlin, and Truex here at 10, 10, 11. Um, you know, Kyle Busch is at 10, Chastain's at 10, Byron's at 12. I know, obviously, no moves have been made in this race as of yet, but outside of Harvick, is there another guy that you're really, really looking at um, in terms of maybe – collecting some value as we goes on or maybe are you willing to eat a bit of juice if they do come out uh fast tomorrow and, and and saturday yeah i mean i think if if i don't go the logano blaney route mm -hmm. then most likely one of my bets is coming from one of these other guys um and it's it's truth to be told i don't know i don't know which direction i'm gonna go I, I'm, I'm waiting to see kind of how things shake out if i had to pick two favorites maybe three favorites i mean it's it's so hard to narrow these guys down i don't i don't blame the books for doing what they did um, yeah. but, um, yeah, Hamlin, Danny Hamlin's a really good racer at this track. He's, I mean, he's right behind Kevin Harvick in a lot of these rankings. He's second average, average finish over his career. Um, third and average finish over the last seven races here, sixth yeah. in drive ratings. That's quite a little bit different than Kevin Harvick. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, he's eighth at average, average finish at these short flats. So, I mean, he's right there. Um, Martin Truex I like at these tracks typically, but Phoenix is the worst of the short flats for him. So Truex is probably a guy that I don't want to say fade because, and, and not that the clash is comparable, but like he was good at the clash and that's the last time we've seen like a short track. Right. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, I think Denny's probably probably my biggest lean in this range. Go ahead. I do have a question to ask you about Truex. So we kind of had a bit of contention point on Saturday night. You know, we, we talk about, the practice and the qualifying splits a lot between just private correspondence. 
Um, and I always, my, my at least experience with Truex in the short time I've been doing NASCAR betting is he's always a guy that I like buying high on, but I don't really like when he falls down the board and all of a sudden, um, you know, you think you're getting value on an 18 to one Truex and then he like never shows you life. So obviously you disagree with me this, uh, this past week and, um, you were high on him pre process. We got a little bit of drift, got a 16 to one outright the day of on Sunday, uh, so I do want to kind of – I know he had a chance to win because of pit strategy, but kind of go over um, the race speed of the 19 car. Did you – were you disappointed with what you saw on Sunday overall, or were you actually kind of encouraged with the fact that he didn't particularly – he wasn't particularly fast on Friday – or on Saturday, I'm sorry, um, but was able to still kind of maintain um, a bit of touch with uh, with some of the faster cars on, on Sunday afternoon? Yeah, so – I think nine times out of 10, I would agree with you. Like you're, right. you're spot on with like buy high, but if he doesn't have it, we're not really in. Um, but the reason I disagree with you this past week is because I did go back and look at Vegas last year. And this is what I sent you. I looked at Vegas and Kansas last year and he didn't show great pressure qualifying numbers then either. But then when the race came around, he was fast. I mean, that's, that's why I was so high on pre pre practicing qualifying this year was because of how his speed rankings rated out last year. Um, and to be honest with you, I, I still feel pretty vindicated about that because looking back, I fancy race. Ryan has already posted his total speed rankings from the Vegas race. Truex is fourth. He was fourth in this list behind William Byron, Kyle Larson, Alex Bowman. So, uh, and ahead of Bubba and who I thought was really fast. So, um, yeah, I still feel pretty vindicated about that. And, uh, I, I don't, wouldn't say that works out every week. Um, and yeah. this week, this week as is more of your strategy. This week is more of like, if Truex is sitting like he did last week, 15th, 16th in practice, yeah, forget it. I ain't on them. Okay, fair enough. So that's that's a Vegas only thing going forward, or maybe select few tracks that Truex has had. Yeah, it's, that's on. Yeah, it's got to be a track where I've got the proof to say, like, hey, I've, I'm on high on him for a reason. He didn't show up last year at this track. Yep. You know, I, I've just got to have better vindication, and this isn't going to be one of those tracks for me because, yeah, um, just looking at his average finish um, over the last seven races here, it's 17th over the career is 14th. So. Yeah, not good. All right, so we'll we'll have to wait and see on Truex. Obviously, Harvick is a, is a big, big um, contention boy for us going forward uh, to see if we can get maybe a bit of drift off the 10 to 1 or if he shows speed, we can buy maybe a bit higher. Um, but as of now, it looks like the two Penske guys for Chris uh, rule the roost, and then we'll kind of try to piece it together the rest of the stuff um, after Saturday, at least underneath 12 to 1 to 10 drivers we talked about to this point. So let's move on into the 20 to 1 range and beyond as it drops off pretty quick, as you would probably expect with 10 guys under 12 to one, the books have to give you a break somewhere you would think. Um, and I guess they have a little bit on guys like Alex Bowman, who showed a lot of speed last week in Las Vegas, third best of the Hendrick cars, but still uh, finished third in that race and was showed a lot of speed throughout um, Chase Briscoe, 20 to one as well. Uh, winner last year at Phoenix, I do believe, right? Yep. All right. Yep. Sorry. I know he, I know he was fast. I, I that's the problem with looking at these advanced analytics is you like, oh, this guy was like third total speed, but did he actually like, what actually did he do with a third total speed thing? So yeah. uh, 20 to one on Briscoe, 20 to one on Bowman, and we'll go, we'll jump to uh, 25 to one on Reddick uh, as well to kind of round up this 20 to one range. So again, 10 guys underneath 12, um, but three guys from 20 to 30, uh, Bowman, Briscoe, Reddick. I know you have a click in this range, maybe not the one that people expect either. That's right. We were saying Reddick's name and then I don't say that's not my bet, right? Yeah, 25 um, to on, Chris, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about Reddick in a minute. Um, 
I probably will be t- talking about him on the back row tonight <laughs> as well. I have him pinned for I, – I do actually have him pinned for something I did find that I could potentially get on board with. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if that I'm there from, like, a race winner standpoint. It hasn't been good so far, I'm going to be honest. Um, you know, I've spent the whole offseason trying to argue his point of, this is a lateral move, this is a lateral move. Uh, I don't know if it is. Yeah. I don't know if it is. Um, That's so Kyle Busch. Kinda, the one with the championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of eating my words a little bit. Um, Three races but, in. Don't worry. Yeah, exactly. It's the full the full profile. That's right. Um, yeah, the only click. Road course. <laughs> Sorry. Do what? So just get us a road course. But even then, I don't know because Toyota is bad. So. I know. It's like, like I, I don't really – that's like your only option at this point. Like, as Reddick fans, uh, what are I, we really I, I think I'm going to trust Reddick more at, like, like – Texas. Like Kansas, Texas, your the homesteads, the, yeah. the tracks that are suit him normally. So you're, um, so you're selling like Reddick is the second best pure road racer on the circuit right now. I think I am at this point. I think I'd it might have been more car than than driver, <laughs> unfortunately. Right. Um, right. And we'll it. see. We'll see. But yeah. <laughs> um, but as we're here, um, yeah, my only click literally of this week so far is Chase Briscoe um, at twenty to one. Um, it wasn't quite the number I was looking for. I think Ian actually just told me before we started that there are some 25s out there. If you can get 25, I, I fully, obviously, I'm filming at 20. I endorse the 25. Um, but I, to be honest with you, I don't – I think this is the only clip that I feel really, really vindicated about taking beforehand because Briscoe qualifies really well at these short flats. That's one thing that you can say about him last year. Um, at Phoenix, just Phoenix, two races between Phoenix last year, average qualifying of second. Uh, I believe he stuck it on the pole, I believe. Hang on, let me make sure before I say that. Yeah, the spring race, he stuck it on the pole. The fall race, he qualified fourth. Um, nope, that's not right. That's finishes, not qualifying. Hang on, bear with me. Chase Briscoe, third and sixth between the two. So not the pole, but um, an average qualifying position of four and a half, which is second only behind Ryan Blaney, who was first and second in qualifying at those two tracks, or at that one track those two times. But if you look at the comp tracks, the other short flats, um, Chase Briscoe ranks with an average qualifying position of 12.25, ranks ninth. Um, so, but the one iter- one thing that's there's a one blemish here, you're going to hear it. But first at Gateway, so he did stick on the pole at one of the short flats. I knew that was one of the things I want to bring up. Um, fourth at Richmond, 15th at Richmond, two. 29th at Loudon. So if you take that 29th out, I mean, we're looking a lot better there. I mean, I know that's making the stats say what we want them to, but if you do take that one out, he's second in, in qualifying among the, the short flats. So um, yeah, this is a guy that I don't, I don't, in I don't envision seeing at 20, 25 to one come Sunday morning, Saturday night, whatever it be. Um, so I think this is one I feel really good about. Um, now looking away from the numbers for a second, um, I did have the opportunity to go tour SHR last week. Um, and while we were there, me and uh, a friend of the pod at Roy Picks, we got a little bit of a tour from Justin Potter and Brian Murphy. Um, and they both took the time to kind of show us around the shop. And they also both dropped a little hint of knowledge to us that I'm actually really surprised that Roy didn't bring up on the betting preview show last night. I hope he brings it up on Lane Coin because I'm going to bring it up now. And I think I talked about it last week, but um shr is bringing like even though it's a different short track package they're bringing that same chassis that same car that briscoe had at the the first spring race last year that he won they're bringing that car to phoenix uh this weekend so um obviously it's yet to be seen of how that's actually going to play out but you got to like that right they they trust this car so much that they're bringing it back Um, and and they saved it just for this reason 
Um, and you've got to think, you know, that, that has to play into the other SHR cars too. If, if they feel like they found something with that one, you know, maybe they try to replicate something with the other three. Um, so even though SHR has been struggling these past few weeks, uh, I think they're going to be a team to really kind of keep an eye on this weekend. I think, I think they could be, they could be players, but yeah, first and average finish for, for Chase Briscoe, second in drive rating at, at Phoenix last year. Um, yeah, this third and fourth in total speed at Phoenix in the two, in two races, even when yeah. he was out of the championship, he was, I think, third in total speed after the two Petsy cars. So, yep. yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I love this click. I think this is a pretty popular one. I think if uh, yeah. if Frisco does bring it home on Sunday afternoon, we'll see a lot of uh, a lot of partying on, on NASCAR Twitter. So I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. Um, Chris has a 20 to one. Um, and you see numbers moving. I see DraftKings is down to 18. So they are kind of getting a little bit of steam there. And if he does, uh, if he's as fast on Friday and Saturday as people like Chris uh, anticipate, yeah, you're going to wish you want, you had that 20 to one on Sunday morning. Uh, so moving on, I guess, into the 35 to one range. I know that obviously uh, the win equity kind of falls a bit off a cliff here, but if there are some, uh, some sleepers, some values, some guys that maybe you just hate altogether and you want to fade matchups uh, like we faded a no reaction last week. Um, yeah. Feel free, but we have bubble walls here at 35 to one. Uh, Daniel Suarez at 35 to one, a three pack of Fords here at 40 to one, and Almirola, Kislowski, and Ryan Priest. Um, Josh Berry, 50, Ty Gibbs, 50, Austin Cedric, 66, Austin Dillon, 66, and uh, Eric Jones, 66. So there are, again, that's seven drivers. I don't anticipate you having, uh, or yeah, eight drivers. I don't anticipate you having, you know, cases for or against all of them. Uh, but if there are one or two that stick out one way or the other. Um, what are you looking at from 35 to 50, Chris? Yeah, so it's probably not going to be much of a surprise, right? I've been talking about Fords and SHR this whole time, but Eric Almarola, I'm pretty, I'm pretty close on this 40 to one. Like, I'm surprised I haven't clicked this yet. Um, I think it's actually a pretty fair price for a guy that, like, I know a lot of people, a lot of casual NASCAR fans probably think of Eric Almarola as just like the super speedway guy, but short flats are actually kind of a bread and butter for him. Um, he's really good. Now, if I didn't read you, number 12 in my model right behind Christopher Bell, but it is Eric Almirola. So um, as far as value goes, when comparing my model to the betting board, um, Almirola is actually one of the guys um, towards the top um, behind Harvick and Briscoe. So um, yeah, I think this is a really kind of sporty bet. He is actually also really good at qualifying too. He qualified average finish of, or average qualified of sixth here last year, um, yeah. which this is going to lead into kind of what I'm getting to next. Um, 35 to one, you can find him as a pole bet as well. Another, another thing that I haven't clicked, but if I'm going to click the outright at 40 to one, I might as well click the pole bet at 35, right? Because it's just going to get better, but the number is going to get shorter. Um, but yeah, I mean, just kind of all across the board here, like his numbers look good. I mean, um, average finish at Phoenix over the last seven races is 12th. Average finish of his career is 11th. Um, drive rating is 15th. Average finish last year at Phoenix is 12th. Um, his total speed was 17th. So the speed is a little down, but you know, I think he knows how to kind of get around this place and, and, preserve the tires use pitch strategy whatever it may be but this is a this is a kind of a sneaky place for Almirola again I don't know like the 40 to 1 probably feels a little too like I don't really know that he has race winning potential but I think I was gonna say yeah I was gonna say but, he, he is currently uh sorry sorry Chris to cut you off but he is currently plus 210 to finish top 10 and yeah. you know you make the case that obviously if he qualifies on the pole we cast 35 to 1 obviously the 40 to 1 looks really really good but you know you can make the same case for if you bet the top 10 before crashing qualifying, if you anticipate him being fast on Friday, Saturday, all of a sudden that plus two tank could go to somewhere on even money or even maybe a bit of juice. Um, 
you know, to the top 10 finish there. At, at so I, got, I got one better for you. I got one better for you. I haven't clicked this yet, but this is something else I wrote down to bring up on the back row tonight. Um, but on Bovada, there is a Group D winner bet. So it's a group bet. And he is paired up with Bo Walsh, Brad Keselowski, Ryan Priest, and then Eric Amaral. And Eric Amaral actually has the longest odds of those four wow. drivers. Um, now, if I tell you what my model reads, right, I've got Eric Amarola at 12th of my model, Brad K at 19th, um, Bubba at 25th, and who did I say the other guy was? Ryan Priest. Ryan Priest is even farther down than that. He Probably is at Bryce, 29th. Yeah, not a lot of data to go off of. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, plus 295, Group D winner for Eric Amarola is something that I'm uh, really I considering. Yeah, I can't believe he's – how is he priced, like, 50 cents higher than Ryan Priest or less than Ryan Priest. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the argument could be made, right? Ryan Priest and the only short track we've seen this year was the clash right. and he showed out pretty well. So I could see that argument, but the Brad K and Bubba, I do not understand like I, yeah. and, at all. Um, so Ryan Priest is actually the only thing that scares me in that matchup, <laughs> to be honest with you. Probably enough. Well, you could, you could bet both of them uh, hypothetically, but yeah, that's, that's a really juicy plus 25. I, cause it's, it's, because here's the thing with the top 10, right? Because if you bet him top 10 plus 210, like he's competing with, let's just kind of go down the list, like the ninth or the 10th highest priced driver in the top 10, if that makes sense, right? You yeah. have a lot of guys that are minus 190, but if you get to the 10th down the board, William Byron's minus 140, then you have yeah. Alex Bowman, Chase Briscoe, Tyler Reddick. That's kind of what you're competing with at plus 210, yeah. like the guys that are projected to be that 7th or 10th car. Um, and then you're getting... 85 more cents to go against guys that are just um excuse me sorry uh guys that are priced at plus 180 plus 170 plus 185 you're gonna stop 10 so um yeah. unless there is one of those three that's uh you're particularly high on which it doesn't seem like there are uh yeah i think you did find a better uh, a better bit of a better example of, of a way to get exposure to almaroa uh, before friday practice kicks off there so yeah Right on, brother. Uh, we will move on here, I guess, uh, into let, – let's talk a little bit about Josh Berry. Uh, I, I feel like we, he does he does deserve a bit of a do. Um, not not for like a waste running outside, <laughs> but obviously because we're going to be seeing him for at least a few months now, it feels like, because Chase, I, I don't know when the next time he's going to get in a, in a race car is. Uh, but it seems like Josh Berry does have the reins of that nine car secured for at least the next few months. Um, obviously, prize at 51 odds boards. We have 50 to 1 odds boards. We have no interest in that, but – Kind of talk about, I, I don't know much about, at all about Josh Berry. And I feel like people that are kind of in the know about NASCAR kind of really like this kid. So maybe talk about not maybe just this week, but going forward. Is there a track in particular that you are like, oh, like Josh Berry's in like a Hendrick nine car. Like, let's go. Uh, I want to see what he has uh, in store here coming up in the next few months. I know it's, I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but. No, no, no. I think I, I can pretty much wing this because I, I do like Josh Berry a lot. Um, you know, I think I've referenced this a thousand and one times but this is one of the guys that dale jr called out as being like one of the guys that he would put and hit one of his cars if he was to go to cup racing right yeah. um so you know dale jr loves him obviously he's racing for him and for his Xfinity team mm-hmm. um and then obviously chevy really likes him to be able to put him in this napa nine like that's a, that's yeah. a big deal it's a really big deal than you think it is um and, and so, i think who did uh who was like who else was in consideration for this because this is like i mean this is the top ride one of the top rides in the sport so so what's, what's really what's really interesting about this is it's actually a really interesting conversation. Um, Jordan Bianchi was on Door Bumper Clear this week, and they actually talked about this for a little bit. They were like, if you were Hendrick or Chevy, who yeah. would kind of be your top three candidates? Um, 
the one that I thought was the most interesting that they brought up that I didn't even cross my mind, but they brought up Corey, Corey LaJoy because I've heard that. Yeah. Um, you know, it might be a little harder to talk them, you know, out of, you basically have to buy him out of his contracts or essentially work out some sort of deal to borrow him because then they'd have to replace him. Um, right. But I think I do like that one a lot just because I want, I think that's more of a fandom thing though. Like I want Corey to have a chance and a, and a good ride because he's, he's kind of showing out this year in a, in a lesser ride. Um, yeah. Over the last two years, he's really been showing out. Um, so that was kind of the top one that I heard. Josh Berry, I think, was kind of the one that everyone penciled in just because he is older to be an Xfinity driver. He got a little bit of late start. He's a late model. two, I think maybe two or three time late model champion for Dale Jr. Um, that's kind of where he came from. That's where his roots came from. Um, so these short, similar to like why I like Ryan Priest a lot is why a lot of people like Josh Berry. I mean, he this is kind of his bread and butter, these short tracks, these short flats. So um, it's a little too early for me, though, for, for me to be trusting him yet. But yeah, hey, uh, a month from now is Martinsville. And you know where Josh Berry's first ever Xfinity win was? Where, Chris? Martinsville. <laughs> so, um, Nailed it. yeah, I think, I think, I don't know if I'll be kind of supporting him to win there, but I think that's a place where we can, that's probably the first place I would target him of like, hey, I think we should yeah. probably start, stop fading and start looking. Okay. Yeah. So I can't, I can't wait for the Ryan Priest, uh, Josh Berry duel at Martinsville over 500 laps there. Uh, in Tennessee, that'll be a lot of fun. So, I mean, I, I don't have anything else for you, Chris, to be honest with you. I mean, Ty Gibbs, 50 to 1, Austin Sidgwick, 66. I just want to talk about Ty Gibbs just in general, like, because as someone who only pays attention to the winner and like some top fives every, every now and again, like, is uh, how is the the initial experience going? Because obviously, Gibbs, um, you know, Truex has shown a bit of speed. Bell, you know, recently just finished in the top five, I believe, last week at Vegas. Hamlin's shown a bit of speed here and there. So, when you're kind of assessing Ty Gibbs's rookie year, I know we're three races in, but um, you know, has there been anything that has uh, either positive or negative that stood out to you kind of early on in the 54 car or um, obviously a lot more wait and see to be had, but um, it's just, I feel like it's, it's crazy because I just haven't heard anything about the 20 year old kid that is in one of the premier rides in the entire sport. And uh, I didn't expect him to come out here and win races or anything like that rather than that, but, you know, just for like it to be dead silence, I feel like was quite was quite weird. Yeah, I'm. I wouldn't really say that I'm really too shocked. I mean, like it's it's probably a little shocking that he's not running like he's not even really contending right now. Uh, but but neither is Noah Gregson, and neither was Cindric last year, other than Daytona 500. Sure. Um, you know, I'm trying to think who was the year before that that came up. I, I guess it was Bell two three years ago now, four years yeah. ago now. But like it takes Reddick the year before that. Like it takes guys two three years, especially in this new car, to get yeah. to get moving. Um, and I kind of said that, and there are I don't know if I said that in the preseason pod or the clash pod or when I said that, but I remember bringing that up. Like I think Gregson and Gibbs are going to be more guys that I'm more likely to fade, especially earlier on in the year than I am to bet. Uh, but I'm not worried by any means. I think they're still great talents. Um, I'm more worried about more worried about Gregson than I am Gibbs just because Gregson's in a 42 car that has shown absolutely zero speed in like ever. Um, so, you know, and, but even, even that like Gregson will figure it out. Like he'll, he'll have a good run or two here or there. Gibbs eventually, he's going to eventually be good. Like you can't be in a top ride for JGR and, and, and be the grandson of the owner and not have some good equipment at some point. Like he's going to show out at some say. point. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, so what, what do you think is like a, like if you were to uh, handicap, like, season-long points, uh, Gibbs versus Cendric. Like, who do you think actually – I guess you give the edge to Cendric because he's got a bit more experience in the cup car? 
Yeah, I would. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Well, we're, we're going it's close, though. Bit. It's close. Yeah. It's just interesting to me because, like, I feel like in, in I don't know, it, the, the, our two sports are so different, but, like, you know, when a, when a kid comes out that is as highly talented as Ty Gibbs, I just expect to hear more, like, buzz about it. And, like, yeah. obviously it's a big deal. He's in the 54, but, like, I'm, I'm hearing nothing. So – but the difference, the difference between the difference, even though I just said it's close. Now I think about, it, I, don't, I don't even think it's gonna be close between Cindric and Gibbs because I, I fully expect Cindric to be in the running for every road course. Yeah, like that's way. that's his bread and butter. Um, and, and now we don't have stages to worry about. Like I know that we kind of lose that stage one edge, but like, yeah, you know, it's not something that's really gonna be a thing anymore. And and now guys can actually implore pitting strategies and and really rely on, you know, the road course uh, the prowess. So. What is the first road course? Is it Coda? Coda, yeah. It's actually two weeks from now. Yeah, because it's the same week as the match play. Yeah. Oh, dang, that's a thing. What are we doing? <laughs> you know, and you know what sucks even worse? You probably already know this, right? After 2023, this is the last match yeah. play. Yeah, I did see RIP, that. Man. So if, if Chloe lets you out of the house 17 days from now, <laughs> I'm down to go. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. I'm taking away too many weekends away from home. So <laughs> I don't know if I can even do that. But either way, guys, we're, we're going on a bit of a tangent. Uh, but I'll just kind of quickly recap what Chris has. And I do uh, have one other thing before you before you recap it. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. we, we didn't talk about it. I mean, we talked about Al Marola poll. But if we're going to talk about another poll bet, uh, right next to him, if you just to go like the next name down from Al Marola, it's Austin Sindrick. Um, this, is, this is a guy that, yeah. How can I <laughs> Uh, he doesn't necessarily doesn't necessarily show out at the like other short flats, um, but um, Phoenix he had a pretty good qualifying here last year. Um, ninth he's showing his ninth best in uh, in average qualifying at Phoenix last year. That's not where he's sitting on the odds board. So <laughs> excuse me, I think that's um, I don't even know if I mentioned, but Almirola is sixth best in qualifying compared to everybody else at Phoenix. So um, Briscoe is number two in this model. For qualifying, and he is sixteen to one. Yeah. Um. So that's potential. That has potential too. So we'll see. At, at the end of the day, you know, I've got Amaral and Cindric locked in. Well, not officially, but I'm about to as soon as I, we stop recording. Um. But I may even. This might be the first time I go towards the top too, because Ryan Blaney first and second is hard to ignore. Um. So we'll see. But right now, Amaral and Cindric is who I'm locking in for yep. pole bets with Briscoe and Blaney being um, potentials. Okay, 10-4. And obviously, Chris will have that on Twitter uh, pretty damn soon from the uh, from the posting of this podcast, considering uh, qualifying practices tomorrow and then qualifying will be, obviously, on Saturday afternoon. So just under 48 hours from now uh, in the qualifying market, as Chris just said, Blaney uh, looks to be a lean if we are going to go to the top there. But obviously, Briscoe, 16, uh, Almirola, 35, Cindric, 35. Uh, our other names down the board that we're looking at in the Saturday market. But for the outright market, we have locked in Chase Briscoe at 20 to one. Uh, we are waiting on qualifying and we're practicing qualifying Friday, Saturday for the rest of our card. Obviously Cindric at 20 to one is only what, like a unit and a half play for you, Chris. You put it yep. one. Yep. Okay. So we have, we have what eight, something like that, eight or nine to play with. Um, so when you, I guess when you kind of look through that, I guess it's hard to tell now, but, um, it's going to be pretty geared towards the top. So likely one of the two Penske guys, uh, assuming they'd show the speed that we expect um, on Friday, Saturday, we're willing to, to bite the, uh, to take a bite at the top of the board, even at five or six to one at a Blaney or at a Logano. We feel like they have a, a pretty uh, sizable step or um, 
pretty sizable gap between them and the rest of the field. Uh, past that, we like Kevin Harvick. Uh, he's currently priced at 10. We're hoping for a bit of drift as Harvick isn't the uh, strongest historical qualifier. So hopefully something in the 12 to 14 range. Um, obviously, the, the bigger, the better there. Um, and then we go into, yeah, again, the 20 to 1 range where we have Briscoe locked up. And then Al Barola at 40 is another uh, another one that's pretty close to being on the card as well. So uh, unless there's anything you want to add, Chris, I'm going to uh, sign off here for us. And you're going to be uh, doing double duty tonight on the back road with IBT. Yeah, yeah. So this, obviously, you're probably listening to this. It's probably Friday morning when you're listening to this. The back road is on Thursday night. Uh, it's live on YouTube, but um, it's posted, obviously, for you to listen back to or, or watch back. Um, so, yeah, I'll be hopping on there in about 15 minutes, actually. Um, so, yeah, I don't – there's only, like, one or two more things that I didn't talk about in here that I might bring up on there. Um, there's other prop potential things because they like to talk a little bit more props on there. Um, so, yeah, you can listen in to hear those, but it's pretty much the same stuff you've already heard, like Almirola, Briscoe, um, Cendric Leans. Um, You've been known to have a few debates on there as well, so I'm more so looking for like the contention points. I, I want to hear, I want to hear the fireworks more so than than the uh, the touts and the kubaya. Yeah, I actually do plan on bringing up. I know Seth's a Ross fan, so I want to see where he is on Ross because Ross is first and average finish here last year, so that's a really interesting one. Um, you know, on the other side of things, like I feel like everyone was like really riding this Kyle Busch wagon for the last few weeks, and then all of a sudden, you know, he looks a little human last week, and now nobody's talking about him. But like Phoenix is a really good track for him, so. Um, I think Kyle Busch is a good a good talking point as well. Um, Another so yeah. guy will feel like if he if he shows speed, you buy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I think you're you're kind of. I feel like last week was you know obviously he was priced at a peak after his win at Fontana and then didn't practice and qualify particularly well and never really contended the race. So another data point to say that you know when he had the fastest car, he won big fucking shock. But it's it's a guy that you'd be willing to to buy maybe a seven or eight to one on race day if he uh, has proven he's one of the fastest cars in the field. Um, and also, um, our boy Seth, big, uh, big Morgan Wall guy like myself. So if you guys run out of debate to talk about, we can always have the Morgan Wall and Luke Combs debate on IBT. Make sure to tune in to them. They're, they're awesome guys. The back road. I, uh, I've been on the 19th hole with, uh, with those guys as well. So obviously Seth, huge, uh, huge friend of the show, huge friend of the pod. Um, and he'll, so be, sure. and he'll be joining us in two weeks for the code oh, pod. Yeah. There you go. Yep. So, I'm excited, man. I'm excited for. For no stage road courses plus match play, like that's going to be a really, really fun week. And I'm going to probably have some tears in my eyes knowing that's the last time we're going to break down a bracket on the podcast. But um, we'll get through it. And hopefully we can catch some winners in between then. So from me and Chris, FHP, we'll be back hopefully in full force next week. Uh, knock on wood for PGA and a bit of NASCAR. But in the meantime, best of luck this weekend, guys. Let's catch some tickets. Let's do it.